people want to believe, we tell each other, just read the Bible. But what happens when it just isn't easy to understand? This is No God. You're listening to the No God Podcast. Uh, as always, I'm Micah. I'm here with my mom, Tony and Sandy. Hi, Hello. everybody. Hi, Micah. <laughs> Good to be here. All right. I have a question for today. This was going to be a surprise question, and then I realized it was a possibly complicated question, so I did uh, cheat with this surprise topic, and it is no longer a surprise. I told them ahead of time. But <laughs> pretending this is a surprise, here's the question for today. What is a soul? Good question, and, I am, <laughs> and I'm really glad that you didn't throw this as a surprise. We, we could have floundered with an answer in a surprise, but it did give me a chance to think through this question because I don't think that there's any, there's very little connection anymore, at least in American culture of what soul is biblically and that it has any impact on how people use that term in everyday language and in popular media. So I actually want to give you a subtitle to this podcast of what is the soul. And that is, let's talk about zombies and ghosts. <laughs> okay, you know what? Uh, in retrospect, now that you're throwing that at me, the new title is Let's Talk About Zombies and Ghosts, subtitled What is a Soul? There you go. That may be what we want to do. <laughs> wow. Was not expecting that from you. From me, yes. Okay. From you, no. So the surprise topic back to uh, our, our good moderator and co-contributor uh, co here. So yeah, are you ready for this now? Now I am. Okay. I'm so glad I didn't surprise you. <laughs> Yeah, so there are there are a lot of popular concepts in literature and movies and stuff that have been coming to us over quite a long time, not just like in the recent, like, you know, 50 years, but we're talking 100 and 200 years, that this has slowly been building in popular literature and then yeah. eventually into media and, and movies and stuff. So it's really pretty cool. Um, but really, there's a question behind all this that if we answer it, at least in a biblical sense, it gives us a groundwork to talk about that. And that basically is what is a human being, right? actually. That's the question that we need to know. And I'm going to answer that, obviously, from what I think is a biblical answer. It's some classic Orthodox uh, Christian theology. And so I can just jump right into that for a moment. This answer will actually run counter also to every world religion except those that are founded out of um, the legacy of Abraham. So that would be Christianity, Judaism, Islam. Right. Those three. Okay. Right, and it comes out of the monotheistic, but that's not as essential, but it really is critical to the, the big groundwork answer. And so we're just talking about that for a moment. Um, there, monotheistic religions, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity all teach that there is one God, creator of heaven and earth, of all things that are visible and invisible. And it actually, it's affirmed in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, which Sandy's going to read for us. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. That is really one of the core summaries in the entire Bible, and for sure for Christians, of what we're talking about here today. Um, creation stories, great. what our creation story is, or our belief about origins, right. greatly influences the possible definitions of soul. One of them is, if we go with the non-theistic, the words don't believe in God, mm -hmm. atheism, let's just use that term, rationalistic evolutionary views uh, that matter or material things are the only reality. There is right. actually no spiritual reality. 
And so in that sense, the soul is just the chemical, electrical, functioning, firing within the human material brain. There is no separate entity called soul. Right. So it's more of um, just psychology. Right. Right. So the soul then is, is that. But there is a variation to this. It's not a widely held variation. But it is that with a material uh, a view that matter is the only reality, there is a view that the soul is actually, or spirit soul, is actually evolved from matter and has become its own separate entity. Yeah. It's a very minor held view, but people who are atheistic in the sense of creation, some, some have found their way to the belief in spiritual reality as something that has evolved out of right. material reality. Hmm. So that's a variation in Western culture, not so much in any other culture. There's another view that is spirit is actually the pure existence. We touched on this when we did our first John um, Rosetta Stone episode right. about the fact that this is a Gnostic view that it is that the, the true essence, the true existence that we all want to pursue is a spiritual existence and that the body, material body, is actually evil and it's something that is to be fought against and uh, actually to be escaped now, there's another view that spirit is the only reality, and that is that material, then, is actually an illusion. I'm sure anybody who studied <laughs> philosophy... Yes, I, I, I run into that. <laughs> yes, anybody studied philosophy, but you know what? This actually has a very practical expression, in, again, in American culture for more than 100 years. And that is, this is the viewpoint of Christian science. Okay. It is that spirit is the only reality that the material universe is an illusion. And that you want to gain a perspective to realize that all of the horrible stuff that's happening around you is just an illusion, including illness. Right. That's, the, that's that view, at least in its original conception. So those are different views about that that have to do with where we're coming from about the existence of God. So let's just talk about a moment here. Building from the view of special creation, that there is a spirit God who created everything and that he created people unique, as we discover in the book of Genesis, created them unique in creation as material and spiritual beings, both. Right. That's in Genesis 1 to 3. Uh, gives us that record. I'm not going to read that now or have Sandy read it. But the material universe is actually spoken into existence by the Spirit, God. That's fundamental Jude Judaism, um, Islam, and Christianity. Yeah. It's not unique to just Christianity. And so in that book of Genesis, it talks about humans as Adam, because Adam is actually used in two ways in Genesis. One is the specific created male being that we call Adam. But Adam is also the generic term for humanity. Huh. And so, again, that confuses people when yeah, you think I, about I stuff like that. I knew that until just now. Yeah. Um, and so, Adam is um, understanding that humans are Adam, and we see that that eternal plan that God had in creating human beings anchors us to the reality that we have a unique role as human beings. Again, this is not a thing that the popular culture teaches. It's not what... Uh, pure materialistic scientific rationalism would teach because that would deny the reality of spirit right, at okay. all. So this is unique to that revelation in Genesis that then 
we are going to jump way ahead to the little letter from the Apostle Paul called 2 Thessalonians as he takes this theological snapshot of human beings, kind of inadvertently, it wasn't his point, but I'm going to have Sandy read that, okay. 2 Thessalonians 5, 23-24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. This is actually like a big summary of what God's goal for human existence is. It is that we become sanctified. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But for now, we just realize that even Paul says there's this body, there's this soul, and there's this spirit. And so that's a bit of framework that we want to just discuss here for a moment. Now, fun facts. Okay. (laughs) Etymological fun facts here, okay? We know that the New Testament was written in Greek, and so we have uh, three Greek words in that sentence that describe that. We have um, the the body, which is soma. Some people will recognize soma, Uh S-O-M-A, as it transliterates over into English. There's some company or something that goes by that. Or no, a ministry, I think. Okay. Okay. I've never heard of it. There is pneuma, which is the word for breath like wind and breath so that's like with pneumonia it's yes. a thing pneumonia. with your lungs <laughs> yeah um there was those videos like years back from uh marcel that were called the pneuma videos yes oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. his first one was all about breath yeah and breathing yeah I agree. <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> there is another greek word in this sentence and it is uh suke which we get english words psychology okay and I was once substitute teaching in a high school psychology class years ago, and I asked the students, stupid me, I asked the students, so what's the definition of psychology? It was actually in the lesson plan. And, but I didn't, I just, you know, I just read the high points in that lesson plan. So, da, 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 psychology <laughs> students answered back. What do you think they answered back? What is psychology? Study the human Study mind. Something. Exactly. The problem is, it's not the Greek word for mind. It's the Greek word for soul. Oh. Suke is the Greek word for soul. Well, you're not allowed to put that word in, in <laughs> well, public education. Well, I don't know who we get to blame for uh, kind of like hijacking that word. Maybe it was Sigmund Freud. Maybe it was somebody else earlier in research in psychology. But they chose to use the word suke rather than the word noia or dianoia, which are actually the two Greek words for mind. So it should be a dianoiology? Uh-huh. Well, that's why, because it sounds stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. It just doesn't roll off the tongue of psychology, <laughs> huh? So this, I point that out kind of, you know me, I'm fun facts about that kind of stuff, but it adds to all these layers of why it's difficult to talk about definition of soul in our current culture. Because mm-hmm. words don't, psychology technically doesn't mean study of the mind, it means study of the soul. Mm-hmm. So, okay. well, I think that's, a general confusion or just an area of where where do you separate mind and soul um you know as a lot of people are well aware there's just so much of the brain controls your personality your mood you know as you're tired when there's chemical imbalances um you know schizophrenia all sorts of things depression depression yeah yeah um that definitely affect like who you are right so where you you know so so like 
if your soul is who you are and then your state of your mind is affecting who you are. Are you talking about your state of your brain now? Brain, let's, yes. Let's be very brain, specific. Brain. The, the material brain. The, the material brain. of the, the brain, brain. physical yes. brain is affecting it. Like which part of that is actually you? Very, you know, that is at the heart of at least part of this question. Okay. So is the mind and brain different things? Um, well, this is a good spot to just mention that biblically speaking, that these words, like the words for body, the words for the words for body and and flesh and mind, mm-hmm. are sometimes used interchangeably. The words for soul, spirit, heart, mind are used interchangeably. And well, so, that's useful. <laughs> it is very useful, which brings us to the challenge, kind of a sidebar conversation, but just, just I want to acknowledge the fact that to create a absolutely consistent some, uh, systematic theology has been the goal of a number of notable theolo- the, uh, theologians through the centuries, like John Calvin, for mm-hmm. example, Augustine. The problem is, that it does not, in the end, totally systematize. There's too much use of synonyms to totally systematize it. And so now we kind of come to a point where we'll do a different podcast on this, that it's better to approach the scriptures first as story and then not get overly concerned about systematizing concepts. Right. And I think that we actually, in in our moment of history, we're a little more comfortable with that than maybe we would have been as a culture 200 years ago or 300 years ago. Right. But that's kind of a sidebar. I think the, and I don't want to get ahead of us and if this is where mm-hmm. we're, we're going, but kind of the question that I don't have an answer to that rolls around in my head a lot is, um, it's like matters neither created nor destroyed. So like our bodies were something else before. Um, there'll be something else afterwards. I mean, the, the body I have now technically... I don't think it even is much of what it was when I was born because you diet, you shed off skin, you know, it, it's recycling. Right. Um, but like, where was my soul before it was here? When did it come into being? Um, it's traveling with my body. Right. Changing. You know, I'm not the same person that I was when I was a baby, but is the soul changing with like... I don't know. <laughs> you know. Is this in your notes? <laughs> well, it's I have considered it and I and we're going to reference that because really in some ways this podcast is going to become kind of like a, a reference point for other podcasts along the way because we're not going to be able to cover all those questions but I will throw out basic connections yeah. for those things. And so, let me start with just another clarification and that is in systematic theology, it came down to and has come down to that there's kind of two camps in Christianity, at least in Orthodox Christianity, and that is that, that human beings are either twofold uh, beings or they are threefold beings. Twofold would be spirit, body. Threefold would be spirit, soul, and body. And so the passage that we read in Thessalonians right. uh, at least lends to that view of the the tri, the, tri, the threefold. Okay. Um, but just, you know, just to jump it right out there, I really hold to a twofold. Okay. And we're going to talk about then the soul, because if, if we hold that there's body and spirit, the soul is is uh, something else than body and spirit. Although, to just muddy it, the Bible does use body and soul as synonyms, 
and the Bible uses soul and spirit as synonyms. So is it... Say it one more time. Okay. So if you just do A equals B, uh -huh. body equals soul, okay. B equals C, soul equals spirit, but A does not equal C. So would it be... Is soul the overlap of the two? You are going exactly where I think we need to go. <laughs> oh, I think like my dad. All right. So let's keep going. So we, we know that. I've settled into two. Let's talk for a moment then about Jesus' words, Luke chapter 10, verse uh, 27. Well-known type passage. Jesus answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. All right. That's four things. Yes, it is. So we have heart, cardia, cardiac. Okay. We have soul, suke, psychology. We have strength, uh, isku, which we get isometrics from, actually. Exercise. Okay. Exercise. <laughs> and we have dianoia, which we know as mind. And so Jesus even in, well, let's, let's just preface this by saying Jesus was speaking Aramaic. <laughs> And so a translation from Luke that. translates the words of Jesus from Aramaic to Greek. Okay. I'm not, we're not even going to worry about that right now. Let's just suffice it to say it proves the point of this synonym thing going on. Mm -hmm. That when Jesus is talking about the whole human being, he's using these different words, but it's maybe not all inclusive. Because even though he says, um, he references heart, which we would deem as physical thing but actually in the bible most of the time it's an emotional thing it's a fraction right. of the mind or soul and then you have uh, that isometric word and then you have dianoia mind and so jesus is acknowledging this soul and mind so kind of like love the lord your god with all your passions with all your effort and with all your thinking yeah so it's more about that maybe the actions although these are not verbs these are actually nouns yeah. but still let's let's keep moving because i i know we need to keep going so that twofold nature that a human being is an outer man that is body and flesh and all the stuff inside of that body and flesh. And then we have the spiritual nature, which is the inner person, which is heart, spirit, soul, and sometimes mind, actually. It's used that way, but still. So that's that thing. So examples of how the nature of people is described. Let's jump back to Solomon in his worst day, okay? Okay. Uh, Ecclesiastes 12, 6 and 7. We know that Ecclesiastes, Solomon is also sometimes pointing out that without any... A full perspective, life seems really vain and meaningless. And right. So that's where this one picks up. Ecclesiastes 2, 6 and 7. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel, wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says a teacher. Everything is meaningless. Why is that meaningless? Now, people come up with a lot of different definitions, but in this conversation, this is why I think that Solomon would have said this is meaningless. And it's a little bit what you were kind of alluding to a moment ago, and that is, if life in this body ends, and then I continue on in some type of spirit existence without my body, what do I lose? Right. Do I lose my memories? Because that's a function of the brain. Do I lose my emotions? Do I lose my personality? What is my personality? Does my personality go with my spirit? Mm -hmm. That goes to God. And Solomon is just going, you know, we always say Solomon's the wisest man in the world, which I, would, I don't, you know, that's pretty much affirmed. But even this, he could not wrap his mind around. He could not figure out 
where the purpose of life is, if the body returns to the dust and the spirit goes back to God who created it, and he goes, that's it? I mean, yes, we have have an eternal existence, but he's wondering, what does that eternal existence even mean? If you don't have a body. Right. If you don't have, yeah, if you don't have your life experience. Right. Just to kind of a quick reference point, just again, to kind of affirm this, this, you know, body, uh, spirit thing. Jesus even said to his disciples when they fell asleep in the garden on the last day that, you know, his 24 hours before he died, he said, you know, hey, you guys fell asleep. I, you know, you couldn't even do this for an hour. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so Jesus even acknowledges this twofold. There's this thing that happens in the spirit. There's this thing that happens in the flesh. And sometimes they don't stay, they don't stay on the same page. Right. Hmm. And so Jesus acknowledged that. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 4 is a metaphoric expression of our human life as life in a tent. That is something that is portable that we move around with. Right. And so we're, we read the whole passage, but I just had, I want Sandy to read that verse four. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. This is a, this is actually a passage that I frequently use at graveside services. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because there is this dilemma of the body then is represented as a tent mm-hmm. that we leave behind and the, the spirit goes on. But what does it say that the spirit feels like in that condition in this passage? Unclothed. Unclothed. Naked. 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 Incomplete. The human spirit, I believe this is teaching, the human spirit feels naked without a body. And of course the body is lifeless without the spirit. This is why death is such a disruption disruption that's a great word just a disruption to our human experience mm-hmm. i'm just going to yeah. leave that on the table in the sense that this is what we're dealing with when we're talking about soul because we haven't really brought in the conversation about how soul helps us to understand the solution to this dilemma in our lives the, the fact that soul has its own definition apart from being part of the body or part of the spirit Right. Let's talk about that for a moment. So, okay. so now we're going to the A, B, A equals B, C equals... Wait, 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 where were we again? A equals B, B equals C, but A does not equal C. Okay, yeah. So mm-hmm. body and soul equal, soul and spirit equal, but spirit and body not equal. Right. And only in the sense of how it's used biblically as right. synonyms. Okay. But there is a distinction. Of, so that's where uh, we're coming back to. Now. That's where we're coming back to. Yeah, thank you very much. So we are material body slash spirit soul creatures, spirit creatures. And as that kind of those kinds of creatures, we are uniquely equipped to do two things that no other created part of God's creation can do. And that is as, ma- as material creatures, we can totally relate in this material universe. We are connected. We are actually constructed from it. Right. As body creatures. And spirit creatures, we are uniquely designed to relate to God, the spirit. And Jesus alluded to that, or Jesus taught that in John chapter 4, for example. That it is at spirit to spirit that we relate to God in the most ultimate and simplistic sense. So that's what we have. Angels are only spirit creatures. 
So they do not relate to the material universe. The only time that they appear is miraculously that somehow God has given them a physical emanation or presentation so that people can see them. But they don't actually have any way to, to exist in the material universe. They don't right, exist right. in the material universe. And also then, and this actually I'll probably, you know, I get an email on. My conviction is that animals then are simply material creatures and we can relate to them as material creatures as well. But angels can't relate to animals because angels are simply spirit. Animals are simply matter and there is no connecting point for them. Now, I can't wait <laughs> yes, you're to hear get feedback some emails. from this. But that's really, that's a sidebar to this. The soul is the, mm -hmm. and this is, this is really my answer. This begins the answer that we have here. The soul is our interface that connects our human body with our spiritual reality. It is the interface. And it doesn't have, it is a, often described as a separate entity. And in one sense, it, maybe it is, but it only, it only shows up in relationship to the body or in relationship to the spirit. Good. Mm, okay. What is that? What kind of confusion does that bring to the table at this point, or do, or not? I sound. I mean, I'm. Sounds okay. Okay. So. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Micah? I, I I mean, there's a lot of. I'm gonna need time to wrap my head around that. Okay. And you know what? Maybe a listener might go. Here's a question that comes to my mind because they listen to this yes, podcast. We'd yeah. love to hear from them. Oh yeah. On this for sure. So let's go on. Death, then, is actually not the original plan that God had for the human race. We know that from Genesis, where they were intended to live in the garden and on this earth and to populate the whole earth. But then sin entered in and death entered to the human race. Romans 5, that's another conversation. But still, that's the theology behind that. Death is abnormal for people because it divides us at our fundamental nature as material and spiritual beings. That Death is abnormal. Death is horrible in the sense of even our own sense of identity when mm -hmm. we think about it when we ponder it mm -hmm. ahead it may be an oversimplification but it makes the soul death makes the soul choose between physical reality or spiritual reality and that i think is what we we mm. drives the fear of death for human beings which Hebrews chapter 2 might indicate that death is the fundamental fear that human beings have. Right. Question. Yeah. So angels don't have a soul. They are a spirit. Right. So is soul life? Yes. Actually, it is life. And in the Bible, it is frequently translated as life. And in fact, in the Genesis passage, when God created Adam, he made him from the dust of the earth, it tells us. And then he breathed into the man the breath of life and the man became a living soul or a living being it depends on your translation so what my and this is just opinion i mean the the fact that we're built out of the dust that's hardly debatable we know that but the fact in that when god breathed into adam two things happened he connected he created a spirit that is adam's nature and the soul became the connector of the spirit and the body. So then death is when the soul is divided. Not divided. End. No, it is 
Okay. And the spirit the, moves on. The soul is forced. Now, okay. I, the Bible doesn't use that word. Okay. I'm following now. I know where you go. The soul is forced to go with the spirit right. in order to maintain existence. And the body is left behind. Okay. But then the spirit feels naked. Right. Our, our sense of identity feels incomplete in that existence. Now, people okay. say, that's what we call heaven? No, that's, the, that's like before the resurrection. And that's, that's, that's why a resurrection is such an important theology for both Christians and actually Jews as well, is the okay. concept. We are not going to spend eternity without a body. That's a misconception that many people have. That once I've escaped from this world, then I'm going to continue in heaven forever with Jesus. And the body doesn't matter. It's like, a, well, who cares? But we mm. do care. Um, so death is abnormal for people. The soul has to choose. And so <laughs> this is my uh, this is my surmise. I think this is where this, this is where the ideas of zombies and ghosts right. has an interesting connection to our conversation. Oh my goodness! Yes, I think I'm connecting it. Okay, <laughs> you going. want to guess? Or no, you want me to tell you? Keep going. Okay, There's a zombie is a body and soul as a life force, uh -huh. but without a spirit which actually gives it any kind of morals, uh, morals <laughs> or connection to God. Yeah. It is a That's godless, literally godless body. Yes. Yes. Okay. And so then obviously ghost is the opposite. Ghost is a spirit and soul without a body. Now, I am not affirming the existence of either of these two things. Okay? But as a concept. As a concept. Like as a, like a unconscious concept in our people, like as a species, knowing that we are both, we have that fear of either that's not complete. Right. Yeah. Those are both severed halves of something, so they're kind of terrifying. Yes. Right. Right. I think it's really a very helpful picture of what we're talking about. Zombie and ghost are we don't really want to be either one right and so how do we avoid being either one all have to be together the body and the spirit interfaced with the soul as the connecting part and in a sense the soul as as what we feel like is our identity mm -hmm. so I'm not, I'm not bothered. I don't think that if a person has a, a tri-view of a human being, body, spirit, uh, soul, and spirit, as it's described in 2 Thessalonians, I'm okay with that. I don't think it's necessary. I think that it's better to think of the soul as the way that the spirit and the body in a human being interfaces with each other. Okay. And it is not definable by psychology, even though the word psychology actually ought to be the study of that interface. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Okay. So anyway, there we go. Um, so I want to kind of, I've got some other things to think about here, but I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit because man was to live forever until sin came. And so this created this whole problem of death as a penalty to the human race as part mm -hmm. of the, the sin penalty. Death is an enemy. Death is not a friend because death separates us from part of our reality. Right. And so it never feels like a friend. Now, sometimes we are hurting so much in the physical existence. Our bodies are so diseased, so pain-ridden, that if we have confidence about an eternal existence, then we embrace that. And some people even embrace it just simply for the fact that I'm done with the suffering. Right. So that's that. But death in the Christian theology is a defeated enemy. It will eventually be the culmination of that defeat is in the resurrection. Right. where the body and the spirit are reunited and the soul interfaces again with both body and spirit. 
That's yeah. where we want to get. So Christ's death delivers us from the penalty and the power and the fear of death. That's in Mark chapter 10, uh, 43 to 45. Sandy, would you get yeah. that one for us? <clears throat> Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He gave his life. Now, actually, I think the, the old King James Version translates that, not life. What yeah. do they translate it? Because the word there is suke, soul. Oh. This is speculative theology. Speculative heard, theology. First, heard first here on the No God. I have never read this anyplace else, but that doesn't. Tony. It doesn't mean that it doesn't. That isn't. It, somebody will probably say, "Hell, I know. I heard that. You know, in some theology class somewhere." But Jesus giving when Jesus talks about, and again, of course, we have to accept the fact that Mark is translating it now into yeah. Greek. Mm-hmm. But Jesus, as he spoke that, is saying that the ultimate sacrifice was not the physical death. And the torture and the agony, you know, like Mel Gibson, Passion of the Christ right. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It is the fact that Jesus experienced the separation of body and spirit in surrendering his life, his soul, the, the, the uh, harmony of his soul with body and spirit. He gave that up mm-hmm. for our sins. Wow. It's at least an aspect of mm-hmm. what the cross death on the cross means. That helps us to understand what we're talking about today is that Jesus even experienced this in his ultimate sacrifice of this separation, yeah. which then again, a little sidebar theology thing here, we do not have time to pursue it, but I'll just put it out there because somebody's going to think it. That means that Jesus' eternal existence from the time that he resurrected was and will always be with a physical body. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he surrendered a lot when he came to earth as the ultimate son of God, deity himself, taking on human flesh, Philippians 2 describes, as a permanent aspect of his existence. Hmm. Yep. Whoa, yeah, and that's like, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> enough of that. Enough of that. But Jesus' death delivers us from those penalties. And so that's really what we're talking about Thinking back, kind of just refresh our mind with that Second Thessalonians five twenty three to twenty four. It, we read that already. Sandy read that, but it says God will sanctify you completely, your whole spirit, soul, and body. So we could speculate and say that the soul is the interface mm-hmm. of how we know God, even in our material existence. And so when we raise our hands in worship, that's a physical act. Our bodies then, through the interface of our soul is connecting with God as well. And that's how we know God. We experience a full life, which is what soul, the suke word is used for both soul and life, like life force. All of that, we experience that fully when the body and the soul and the spirit are all devoted to God, which is what sanctification includes. It's not the only thing it includes, but it includes this full devotion to God in all of our being. Which then at that point doesn't matter if we believe a two-fold or a three-fold existence of human life. That passage says we don't know real life until we are fully devoted to God in all three aspects of our life. And so when God when it says that God will sanctify us, it is talking about that He is going to make us whole. 
and this sense of fear of being disconnected and unwhole, broken, has so many facets that that's what Jesus came to heal us of. Mm-hmm. And my goodness, that's we could talk about that for a long time. But really, I believe that one of the keys to really knowing God is to understanding that the soul works as the, the great our personal identity that interfaces us and connects us in a whole kind of whole way, holistic way to our body and our spirit. So soul, I guess at the, in the least biblical terminology, it's an interface. In the most biblical terminology, it's the life force that we have as human beings. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. Just email us at nogod at tonykafka.com, K-N-O-W-G-O-D at T-O-N-Y-K-A-F-K-A dot com.